When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Welcome to the Family Brain with your host, Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Today on the Family Brain, I'll be talking with Jen Keith. Jen Keith hosts her own podcast called Real Women's Work. And she talks to women about their occupations and just how they came to the roles that they're in. She also is a mom of two, a wife, and she has been doing a lot of work in the Facebook community, helping promote um, women's self-care. And one of the things that she's working on currently is uh, self-care through the holidays. And it caught my eye because I think that in general, people get overextended throughout the normal course of life, but the holidays do seem to tick the expectations up a little high, and it's it's difficult to say no to some of those expectations, you know, like, do I have to make Christmas cookies? Do I need to pull out a tree? Um, Do I need to show up for this family meal? Um, So I think it's, it's an important question to think about, and, you know, I think the answers will be different for everyone, and what you need in different years might be different. Um, But I'm excited to talk to Jen and just sort of see what has come up within this group around self-care during the holidays and what that means to her and what she's finding it means to other people. So here is Jen Keith. What I love about what you do, because I think this, this, this question of self-care, you know, I asked that at the end of each podcast and it was sort of one of those add-on things like, you know, what's a good way to kind of always end, but it's been so interesting to me, the answers people come up with and the things that people say. And what I love about your explanation, and I would love if you could sort of talk a little more about it is it's not what we sometimes think, right? Like self-care doesn't necessarily mean a mani-pedi, you know what I mean? Um, And I think that so often we think in these very sort of limited ways about what it could look like. Can you talk a little bit about what you found in your journey? Yeah, Megan, sure. <clears throat> so I, I really didn't even hear the term self-care until, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago. And, and the concept was actually pretty, when it was a little longer ago than that, the concept was pretty foreign. But when I heard the term, 
it did not resonate, and I really was irritated by it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm really just <clears throat> avoiding it and um, dismissive of it, and it, it ultimately now I know because it, it, it didn't resonate, but what I understood when I first heard the term was that it was very much about getting this me time, and it very much came from a place my understanding, I'm not saying it's accurate, my understanding was that it very much came from a place of entitlement. Like, we deserve this. We are entitled, especially as moms. We're given those messages all the time. We deserve the nanny petty. We deserve two hours of salon, like whatever, or, or the run, or whatever the, whatever the thing is. And for me, coming from a place of entitlement never feels good. And that never feels like I'm really taking care of myself. So I really bust the idea of me time, of self-care time, because it, it it really put me in an opposite mindset from what it should have been. When I started to really understand what self-care meant, which is taking care of ourselves, then I started to get a different spin. And I, I, I didn't adopt the term self-care, but I really started thinking about taking care of myself, which felt very different, was not coming from a place of entitlement was not coming because I deserved it, but it was genuinely, deeply taking care of myself. And that felt very different to me than how a lot of people were explaining and capturing and defining self-care. Mm. And once I understood it, taking care of myself, that thing really kind of started to break open for me, and I started to actually be able to do it. That's awesome. I I don't think that I grew up with knowing those terms either. I mean, it's just, and, and some of it I think might be generational. Like, you know, it just maybe wasn't something any anyone spoke about. I still remember where I was standing when somebody taught me about the word boundary. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I thought this person was a kookaloni. And now I think it's like, I mean, almost all the issues that come up in my life are related to boundary type issues. Um, But it was just not, and it's hard to wrap your brain sometimes around a new term if it's not how your life has been structured or, you know, or you haven't seen examples of it. A lot of times if we don't see models of any of this, then it's hard to do. Um, So what are you finding in the group? Like in terms of you know, I love the way you talk about what, what works for one person might not be. And you are so good at always adding that, you know, like for me, it is this, you know, and not assuming that everybody wants, you know, you know, a dark chocolate bar or something, whatever it is, you know. Exactly, Megan. And I think, I think that's one of the parts that I, I struggled with as I, as I was trying to understand this idea of self-care. It, it's so true that what works for one person doesn't work for another. So, you know, I, I like to use TV as an example, but because it's such an unpopular one, like it really like wild people up that TV could be considered self-care. And sometimes it's not. If we're, if we're using anything as an escape, that's not good self-care. But for me, watching TV for a while is excellent self-care. You know, I, I struggle with anxiety. It takes me out of my own head. There's stuff that I really appreciate about TV. But for other people, that would be detrimental for them, right? Or if it's, if it's exercise or eating a specific way. And I, for, for me, my observation and my observation in the, in the group from watching other people talk about it, Megan, is that <clears throat> these different things can work at different times in our lives. So sometimes getting a three or four mile run in three or four times a week is often self-care. And other times, but for other people, it's such a huge pressure on us mm-hmm. that it is doing more damage for us than it is any good for us. Right. So, 
and, and that's what I've been noticing in the group. We thought, that's a good group, isn't it? Like we have these people who are so self-aware and really insightful and so willing to share what works for them without assuming that that's kind of a universal truth. Um, Which is rare, I think. I think that, you know, a lot of times, and I think that's why people sometimes um, hesitate to open up because they don't want to be told another thing to do. Oh, you got to try this thing that I'm doing. Like how I just told you, you have to have these cough drops that I'm making. <laughs> but, but, but right. Like, Oh, you got to eat. Yeah. You got to eat Atkins. That'll change your life. Or you'll, you know, come to my church and it'll change your life or whatever, whatever the case may be. I think sometimes people keep things to themselves because they think people, myself included, I know I need to kind of figure it out and I'm, I'm open to other people's input, but I, I know that it's going to be sort of my own journey. And do you, I feel like that is, um, I had jotted down some notes before we started talking. One of the things I realized that I was thinking down, Megan, boundaries is on that list for me as self-care. Mm. One of the things I realized is that 43, these things are very easy, but 33 or 23, they would have been much harder, I think to really put a put a put a sense around my own self care and taking care of myself is easier now that I'm a little bit older. I don't know if you find that, but For, I definitely find that. A hundred percent. And I was I was just talking to a friend who's gonna be turning forty and she's starting to notice these changes and it was right around 40 for me. And I didn't anticipate it. Like I've never been a person who's, yeah. who pays attention to what, what's going on at certain ages. I just have never, but I, but I, in retrospect, right around 40, you just, I don't know. I, I feel like I started to realize like, we don't have all the time in the world. Well, I'm not going to waste my time doing things that I don't want to do or that, you know, that don't feel right for me and sort of acknowledging that might work for someone else. Good. You do you, I'll do me. That's sort of my, yeah. my mantra. Um, what, what, one of the things that I am, um, I, you know, I'm going through a move right now and I love what you were saying about sort of thinking about what it works during a certain period of time for you, yeah. because I know I feel great when I'm like drinking lots of water and doing physical activity and paying attention to my diet. Well, I'm moving right now and I'm lucky if I get my kids out to school you know, with the bags that they're supposed to have and the stuff they're supposed to have. And so my self-care right now is very much about not being too hard on myself, you know, and and not making excuses, but just kind of like, this is a a tough period of life. And this isn't just like a life sentence. It's just a a period of time. And I'm probably not going to eat the healthiest. I'm probably, you know, (laughs) I feel like a Saturday Night Live episode. I may or may not shower. Uh, but it's true. And it just kind of, and it's, it's that, um, cause at first I was sort of thinking, Oh, the reason I'm not feeling so great is cause I'm not taking care of myself the way I wish I would. But then just that mental shift of, you know what, give yourself a little room here. Like don't, don't. And that, that made all the difference in just how I was feeling. Absolutely. That, and, and, and that to me is one of the biggest parts, well, two of the biggest parts of self-care. First is, self-talk, how we talk to ourselves, how we we talk about our narrative and what's happening and all that stuff. I feel like that is that is the biggest thing that we can do to take care of ourselves is change what we're saying to ourselves. And I know you're you're so um, really expert at, at, at doing that and being able to, to share it with people and, and I feel like it's something that so many of us miss. We miss how important that is about what we're, what we're saying to ourselves. And, and absolutely, how self-taking care of ourselves 
changes based on temporary circumstances like a move, which is total upheaval. Like, it, you know, my mom once said to me years ago when I was on yet another diet, which I stopped doing, and try, my kids were little tiny, and she, she said something that was like, you can only do so many things at a time. And I was like, wow, that's really wise. Like, which things am I going to choose right now? Mm-hmm. So when you're in the total upheaval of a move, you, right, you have to be intentional about what you're going to focus on, but it's also different periods of life. If you've got a couple of, you know, if you've got a baby and a toddler at home or a couple of babies or um, the idea that you're going to get an hour or two in the morning to take care of yourself isn't realistic. So then what does that do to your, or for many of us, it isn't realistic. What does that do to yourself that every day you're consistently not doing the thing you think you need to do to take care of yourself, really kind of berating yourself over and over on a daily basis. So so I, I think those are two of the, the biggest things I've noticed, and I, I've heard from others that they've noticed too, is changing the way we talk to ourselves about ourselves and our, our circumstances and being very real about where we are in life and what choices we're making to take care of ourselves with all of those things in consideration. No, I love that. And I think sometimes I wonder why the brain or it seems like it's sort of human nature to forget about all the choices we have. And sometimes I think it's maybe it's because it's kind of overwhelming. You know, we want to think like, I have to do this or I have to do that. Well, really, you don't. And I mean, there's very few things we really have to do. I mean, I'm hard pressed to think of one. Can you breathe, I guess, breathe to stay alive. That's about where it ends. Uh, Maybe I'm sure I'm missing things. People can make their own mental list of the things that that you also need. But um, it is, it can be very overwhelming, but it's also can be very freeing, you know? So what, when you started to make changes for yourself, what were some of the things that you noticed that really helped you? The the, the biggest thing that I noticed, and I actually have one, one particular example that I was thinking of this morning before we got on the phone Changing my self-talk, I was, and I know we all are, are um, do this in, in some way, and some of us are probably more extreme than others, and I think I was on the extreme self, the extreme side of this, but the way that I talked to myself, I was absolutely berating myself on a daily basis, berating myself. I would never say to other people the things I was saying to myself, and I've been there until the last few years. I've been, this is just one specific example, but it's a big one. I've been very hung up on, I had some extenuating circumstances when I was pregnant and I gained a ton of weight and I just haven't been able to take it off, partly because of me, partly because of health circumstances, but I, I had always been in a different body and adjusting to this new body that was not up to standards that others thought it should be was really, really hard for me for a lot of years. And when I used to walk by, like, you know, if you're walking and you walk by, like, a storefront that's glass and you can see, like, you can see yourself in it, right? So I used to walk by those windows and the very first thing I would do, I hold almost all my weight in my midsection to the point that for many years it looked like I was still pregnant. And the very first thing I would do is I would look at that midsection and I would think... I would say to myself, you are disgusting, that is terrible, you're so gross, why can't you take that off, you look like you're pregnant, you know, um, and I was for years and years and years, and one of the very first things I did, Megan, to change my self-talk is when I walked by those 
mirrors or storefronts, I stopped looking. Mm. <laughs> I just stopped looking because I wasn't going to have the available to me the ability to stop the berating of myself. So at that point, I just stopped looking, and, and that was huge for me. It was so empowering in so many ways, and I really took that example and just applied it anywhere I could start being kind to myself. And we hear that over and over, and I've heard that for years. Be kindly to yourself. Don't say to yourself something that you wouldn't say to others, but it's true, <laughs> and it really matters. And I think so many of us just realize how much we are doing that to ourselves on a daily basis, how many terrible things we're saying. Even, Megan, like, like that thought in your head about moving, that you're not feeling well because you're not taking care of yourself. And then that adjustment to, well, no, I'm moving. Mm, <laughs> There's yeah. a lot going on, like you said, like, like there's huge. So, so that self-talk was a huge thing. Another big one was when I had choices, Megan, I love that you brought that up. Seeing things as choices was huge for me in, in my pursuit of increasing my level of happiness. Uh, and seeing things as choices was huge. But another big one was to stop using other people's definitions of, of like guilty pleasures, right? Mm. So we'll use TV again. Everybody refers to that as kind of a guilty pleasure. And it's lazy to watch TV and it's mindless and it's brainless and it makes you stupid and it makes you dumb and it makes you disengaged. And that's not my experience with TV. So to stop using other people's definitions of things as my own. It's huge to be able to really start identifying like, nope, I enjoy sitting and watch, watching The Office for an hour. Like that mm. genuinely brings me <laughs> happiness. Yes. So I'm going to do it, you know? Yes. Um, and it applies to food and exercise and clothing. It, it just applies to everything. I don't want to keep going on and on. But <laughs> no, but I love it. I mean, I love the specific examples too, because I think sometimes... Again, you, it kind of goes back to you don't even realize you have a choice in that department. I still remember my, my now passed away uncle. I was um, always like working really hard in school. And well, I got to go study. I got to go study. And did I already tell you this story? I might have told you this. No, on that. So. But um, that there was a family party. And I said, well, I have to go study. And he says, no, you're choosing to go study instead of the family yeah. party. And, and that was fine. And I, but I was in that moment, I was so resentful of that. What do you know? You don't, what do you mean I'm choosing? I have to do this. But in retrospect, it was like a gift to sort of pull back and just recognize it's, there's a lot of choices that, that add together to the life you're making. And it, it, it's very empowering. Like you get to decide you, how you spend yeah. your time, how you use your time, who you, who you're with what you do with yourself. And we're not always going to do it perfectly, but it's yeah. really more in our hands than um, we might realize. Um, so anyway. And doesn't that help you find your own boundary, understanding things as choices? Doesn't that help so much? It really finding does. finding your own boundaries? It really does. And, and uh, I don't know, there's just so much more freedom than, and then I find myself being more attracted to other people, not sexually, but... <laughs> Uh, but just attracted to people who are also walking that walk and they could be walking it in a totally different way than I am. But I just, I get excited because I like to hear about the choices they're making and how are you looking at things and what are you doing for you? And I just think that when you're making those choices for yourself, it's much easier to embrace other people's choices. If that yeah, makes sense. Megan, yeah. It makes total sense. And I feel like this is, 
such a great thing to remember as we come in holidays because so many people feel so overwhelmed with all that they have to do over the holidays. All they have to do, all the parties, all the they have to buy, all the cards they have to send, all the, you know, everything that they have to do over the holidays. And I feel like it's so relevant to recognize that all of those things are choices. Every single one of those things is a choice. You don't have to go to Christmas Eve for your parents. You don't have to go to Christmas Eve mass. You don't have to buy gifts for your sister or your nephew or anybody. Those are all choices. Um, and one other specific thing that, that, that I did, I don't know, maybe a dozen, 12 years ago, uh, we, we stopped gift giving in our family. We, except for the, the kids, we did the kids, but we completely stopped gift giving. We don't give to the in-laws, we don't give to parents, we don't give to siblings, we don't do any gift giving. And, and this is a great example of some people are like, are you crazy? I love buying gifts for people. That's awesome. If you love out being, you know, being out shopping and being a the extra energy from the people and, and getting to think of a specific thing that would make that person happy, that is a great use of your time. For me and my siblings, we hated shopping and we were really overwhelmed and the best gift we could actually give each other was to not have to buy any gifts. Mm-hmm. And making that, recognizing that as a choice and making that change has completely changed our holiday season. Like, I mean, I can't even tell you how much it has changed our holiday season. So now the only gifts we buy are our kids. We do a big Christmas for our kids and then our nieces. And that's all the gifts that we buy. And some people, that that feels really, um, like, not in the holiday spirit. But for us, that was a choice that absolutely allowed us to feel the holiday spirit. So all those things are, they really are choices. And I think you're so right. When we look at them that way, everything feels better. Yeah. And if you want to give someone a gift, like I've noticed we don't exchange a lot of gifts in my family too, but sometimes if I see something and I'm like, wait, I really want to get this, you know, great, go for it. I mean, it's just, it doesn't have to be so rigid, I guess. Um, well, that's the thing I was thinking about just, I wanted to have this conversation with the holidays approaching. Cause I know people just start to get frenzied and I'm in my own like moving rut. The idea that the holidays are coming is like completely off my radar because I'm just so entrenched in what I'm doing right now. Um, but it seems like we just stretch ourselves so thin throughout the year. Not we, it sounds like some people do. I do at times, not all the time, but, and then the holidays come and it feels like oh my gosh, I'm just keeping up. And now there's this whole list of things added to just the everyday, you know, stuff. And some of that can be sort of imposed by schools or I know you homeschool, but like, you know, the teachers are doing this or this is happening in the classroom. Please send in, sign up for this. What, what would you say to that? That, you know, when you're feeling like, oh my gosh, there's this whole list of things that that gets added and, and can I really opt out? Is that an option? So the first thing I would say is when we're in that rush and everything, you know, we're stretching ourselves so thin, I, I, I feel like it's important for us to remember it's always well-intentioned. The, the point isn't to stretch ourselves thin. The point is we want to be kind and thoughtful mm. and in. You know, it, it's always a well-intentioned thing. And so this is something I've learned from, from talking to a few women recently, Megan, that 
you actually can say no to a lot of that stuff. I was talking to one woman who is a, um, she has built this really successful career that she's worked really hard for. She absolutely loves it. It is her passion. And for her work, travel, and mostly international travel, is 50% of her work year. And she's a mom. So she pulled 50% of her work here, and she talked about turning, you know, getting close to that 40 age range and realizing that she really needed to learn the art of unapologetically saying no and doing so not out of, like, an entitled to deserve it way, but out of a, I'm really having to choose the things that make, um, that are a highest priority value level to me. So she talked about school specifically. She talked about everything is store-bought. Like, she never makes anything for, for, for school anymore. Like, everything is 100% store-bought. And it meant that she, you know, it means that she can't go on field trips a lot of the time. And she can't volunteer on the classroom, and, you know, as, as often as she would like. But she can sometimes. And being okay with those sometimes, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's interesting just observing, you know, the times I do show up for stuff for the kids' classes. It's almost like they appreciate it more when I'm not there all the time. And I'm sure it's fine if you're there all the time too. But um, I don't know. There was the, it, there was getting to me an expectation that I was always going to be there. And I kind of was like, no, we need to break that because I'll be there if it's going to work. Um, yeah. But it is, there's just so many different choices. And what else are you finding from the group? Like what other um, things have been being put out in your Facebook community about things that help people sort of manage and and keep themselves healthy during the holidays? What I am finding in the group from from very specific feedback is that this is a group for women. The, The women that are in this group are so grateful to have exposure to people who are positive, which is how mm. this started. It started just on a whim um, when things were heating up before before Tuesday. <laughs> you know, things were really heating up, and there was a lot of that stuff that happened over the summer, and people, a lot of women were in a really not a good headspace. And women are so grateful to be surrounded by positive I don't want to say messaging because it's so personal. It's not messaging. None of it's contrived. Like, these are all women who are sharing something positive that happened to them that day, something that they're grateful for, something that they're looking forward to that day, something they've done to make their day happier or their week happier. And so people are grateful for being reminded to look for those moments. But the coolest thing and, and to me most unexpected thing that I'm finding in this group is how much people are getting from reading the positive and grateful things that other people are writing. Mm. And I get goosebumps when I talk about it. When people read through a thread about only gratitude, they don't even, it doesn't even matter to them that they know the woman or don't know the woman. It changes the way they feel and the way they look at things by looking at all this positivity. Um, and I think, I think that's a huge part of self-care, obviously, but messaging we're allowing into our brains, you know, it's not just what we're reading and whether we're drinking our water, but, but what messaging we're allowing in. And the biggest thing that I think people are experiencing is just being in a super positive, non-advertising, like it's just, just a group of good things happening. Um, and... I love the way you're, um, I think this might be your special calling is 
pulling people together in these kind of communities, you're really good at it. I feel like you are very good at promoting conversation and a safe environment for people to talk about things. So I'm excited for you. I think it's really fun. You have a lot of things in, in your hopper these days. <laughs> I was introducing yeah. you and I was like, how do I begin? She's, she's working on so many things. Um, but it's so yeah, exciting. It's it is. It is exciting, Megan. And what's really cool for the last few months, I've been thinking kind of like, you know, what am I doing? Am I getting away from this idea of like taking care of myself? I was trying to figure out how it all Together, but I knew it all came together somehow. And just in the last couple of weeks, I'm figuring out how it does. And it's all all just around connect, connection with women, which is awesome and so just so great. Yeah. No, you do, you are fantastic at it. And I think that one of the things I was talking with somebody this morning about how we try not to watch the news too much. Mm-hmm. It just is hard, and I think you don't realize. Again, it goes about choices, like you don't realize or I don't realize how much um, exposure I'm getting to things that are just really sad and really hard to manage. And you need that balancing of even podcasts. I've been listening to, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I tend to gravitate towards more serious ones, you know, like what is the point of existence? And, but I've been listening to Ellen on the go. Have you listened to this? It's so fun. Oh, it's so fun. And it's just like a recap because I don't really get to watch Ellen very often, but it's fun and like makes me laugh. And I don't know. It's just, it's just that release of laughter, you know, and just kind of, it doesn't have to always be so serious. And, and again, maybe that doesn't work for everybody. Maybe there's some people that are like watching the news is something that, you know, is really important to me and helps me feel good. But for me, that is not the case. But I just think we don't necessarily realize how much is coming into our brains that we are having to process, you know? Absolutely. Yes, Megan. And one of the things we did in the group last week or the week before is we we took a look at our Facebook feed as a really specific example. And, and, and you can apply this to any part of our life, I think. But we looked at our Facebook feed and, and spent some time going through and unfollowing people and pages and anything that was adding negativity or sadness into our mind. Like we just unfollowed them. And people are having really good experiences with that. They're talking about how much their Facebook experience and feed has changed to be more positive and how much, you know, better that's making them feel. And I think a lot of times too, I don't know, for myself anyway, I, and I imagine this applies to a lot of people, you feel by tuning out like the bad stuff in the world, you almost, or I, um, I felt like I was being irresponsible in a way by not being aware of this horrible murder that happened not very far from me, not following every little news clip that came about it. I felt like I was being either irresponsible or um, like I wasn't, you know, whatever, honoring this poor family or something. Like there was something that made me feel like I should be paying attention. And... And so again, and sometimes it's just because we're drawn to that stuff, but I do think sometimes it comes from a place of feeling that we're going to be irresponsible if we don't pay attention. And I think finding that balance of being in the know about what we need to know about without just sabotaging our thinking is individual and important. And I think you also need to know yourself. Like I know for myself that that stuff hits me and I carry it. And if you, if it, if that doesn't hit you and you don't carry it around, then maybe it doesn't matter as much. But I think that's the other thing as I am getting older, I'm sort of realizing that, that I do end up carrying things sometimes and just being aware of what I'm carrying, like that mental load 
and and being sort of thoughtful about what that is. Yes, and, and, and a lot of times we don't realize and we'll never realize that sometimes we're lucky enough to figure out how that thing that we watched, you know, whatever the specific thing is, the terrible, awful thing that happens, if we aren't aware of it, it can get into our head and color and dictate so much fear in our lives mm-hmm. that we're actually making choices that are, are making us unhappy and more fearful based on that one thing that happened that's a total fluke that's never going to happen again that we're not at risk of that thing happening but we're making choices in our life based on that thing that was fed into our head and we just didn't realize how we were processing it does that make sense? it totally makes sense it totally makes sense it's like you know the one the one you know, car that flies off the interstate, you know, or whatever it is. And then you think, Oh my gosh, my car is going to fly off of the overpass. And it, you know, it's the, it's what's the word. It's like the globalization of, I think that that's a term. Maybe I'm just making it up. Let's, let's make up this, you know, globalized thinking about like one thing happening and then putting that to everything. Right. And if you want enough of that, you intake enough of that stuff, then all of a sudden you're afraid of, everything, even though you may not even realize it. And right. you're living in fear instead of happiness and joy, which sounds so cliche, but it's so true. It is. It is. No, I appreciate it. I mean, I just, I love, there was somebody commented something the other day in your group about taking their child to the library. And just reading that, I was like, oh, I love libraries. Why don't I ever go to the library? And it just kind of brought me down this appreciation of her appreciation, like you were talking about, just sort of like, oh, what, aren't we so lucky we have libraries? Um, yes. Yeah. And the imagery that people are, are writing, because it comes from this totally genuine place. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're a writer or anything, because these women are being so genuine, it, it gives us all an imagery that's happy and positive and grateful. It's, yeah, it's so cool. So I um, am thinking just in terms of like parting words, do you have any, I mean, I feel like this is the thing that's tricky about this is it, it can be so different for each person. Um, but in terms of like, even though there's going to be variations, are there any guiding points that you think just are important to consider when you're sort of looking at your own self care or taking care of yourself? I do like how you say that taking care of yourself because self care can, can be a little like, self-care what do you even mean by that you know what I mean and I sometimes ask people that and they're and I can tell by the answering so maybe I need to start asking how are you taking care of yourself as you do this important work that you're doing um so anyway what are some guide guidelines that you can kind of think that are are more um even though that the examples will be different for different people that that sort of help people look for what works for them from from my own experience and, and this group and spending time, you know, talking with this other women friends, I, I think the biggest thing that I would remind people of that, that I have learned from, from listening and, and living it myself is to, to really start by just self-awareness. And if you don't know what self-awareness means, which I did until I was probably 40, then just maybe spend a little time looking at what that means, but it really is just checking in with yourself throughout the day, not for an hour, just for 10 seconds and and noticing how we feel in that moment. And if we're feeling stressed or overwhelmed or happy, 
or scared or sad just to notice what's going on around us. Um, or if, you know, if we're getting to a point of being frenzied or, you know, not wanting to get up in the morning, if we don't want to face things, really just first being aware of that and acknowledging that we're feeling that. Because I feel like a lot of times we don't even want to, we're kind of embarrassed even to ourselves to say we're overwhelmed because it feels like we're saying we can't handle whatever the things are. But, but just being self-aware enough to acknowledge and say I'm, I'm feeling really overwhelmed, what's happening um, to make me feel this way, and then really being willing to completely customize and tailor what taking care of yourself looks like for you, whether somebody else calls it a guilty pleasure or, you know, whether a magazine is saying you should look a certain way, which is such a big stereotypical issue, but it's really, really true. Like, no matter, no matter what we're being said, that we are really customizing what taking care of ourselves looks like for us personally. And that sounds so vague and general and, 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 I don't know, maybe just like two days, but I, I really do, Megan, think that is absolutely where we have to start. Right. And I, a lot of times with stuff that matters this much, the starting point is kind of big and vague. And you know what I mean? If it were too specific and too like step one, step two, that's not real. You know, that's why these things are hard. You know, these things are hard. That's why it's a little vague to start. And with the more work you do, somebody just sent me something the other day. And it was like, when you're feeling kind of um, overwhelmed by all the things you could change, it's those small changes over time that make a difference. It's like, you don't have to like, commit to better hydration for life. But like, drink a glass of water. You know what I mean? And just that's, that's a step already. And I think we can yeah. kind of overwhelm ourselves, um, but it's it's important, and I think it's important not to give up in terms of um, just working on it. You know what I mean? And you know what? If you do give up for a little while, that's okay, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, if you need a break. It's, it's true, and finding that balance is hard, mm-hmm. but so important, and it does take time. And, and you, you know, if, if you found, if, you know, drinking an extra glass of water, glass of water every day, if that's mm-hmm. something that helps you, and you do that, and you follow through on that commitment to yourself, making you feel better, there is a confidence and trust of yourself that comes from that, that is also, I believe, part of taking care of yourself. Yes. So it is, it's work, it's trial and error, um, and some of it is it's like language process. and language matters. Like I just said, giving up, it's not actually giving up. It's taking a break or taking rest. Yeah. Like taking rest yeah. is so demonized that, yeah. and it's, I think catching yourself in certain language patterns, like to me, that's like, you know, giving up, that's so negative, but taking rest, sometimes it's that, that mental reframe that can change everything. Absolutely, absolutely. I feel like exercise. I know we we're, we have to end here, Megan, but can I just share one more? Of course, <laughs> of course. Um, I think exercise is a really good example of that that I have found in my own life, and that a lot of the women I've talked to have found. So I, up until I was, I don't know, thirty, really believed that the only exercise worth doing was the one that left you ready to collapse at the end with sweat pouring off mm-hmm. your body. And, like, if you weren't going to do that, there was no point in doing any exercise at all. But, but as a mom with other stuff going on, it's hard to carve out time to train for a marathon or time to train for a half marathon. So I think 
exercise is a great example of that. On days when you don't feel like making, you know, working out so hard you're going to collapse, do you feel like taking a walk? Like that can be a restful way of also taking care of yourself if you're somebody who exercise helps. Um, or if, you know, a, a nice easy yoga as opposed to training for a marathon. I feel like these are, you know, exercise is a great example of um, being able to change how we think and talk about how we're taking care of ourselves. Right. Yeah, no, it's fun to do. I, I, uh, well, because <laughs> we're on the same page. Um, well, I just want to thank you so much. And I would like to put a little, um, and you can, you know, do with this what you want, but I really think that you could write a book on this topic, taking care of yourself during the holidays. I think it would be amazing. And you're such a good writer. But you can well, say no, because that's self-care. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it, it, the timing is so interesting that you would say that, Megan, because part of what I do, I love to write. I actually don't feel like I'm a, a good writer, but not because I'm being humble, but I really don't. But You know why you're a good writer? is because you're very honest. That's the best. That's the, I, what I love to read is something that's honest. And anytime something's exactly. honest, I find it to be good writing. People are so forgiving, Megan, and I agree with you 100% on that. People are very, they'll take a lot of poor writing with, with the honesty. Like, they're really, um, but, but a couple of months ago, I, I started, I made a commitment to myself, because I do love, to how I think, I love to write. I made a commitment of taking care of myself that I was going to put something out publicly somewhere every week. Even if I thought it was crap, even if I, not that I was not like putting it out on a whim and not thinking about it, but even if I was embarrassed thinking like it was like a 12 year old who'd written it, you know what I mean? I was gonna, I was gonna put it out there and it, it's been a really interesting exercise of, um, like freedom, like right. <laughs> freeing myself from worrying about what other people think just by putting it out there. So your, your timing of that, I would love, it's I, very brave. I've always wanted to write a book. From the time I was a little girl, I asked that question myself. What is something you wanted to be when you were a little girl? I've always wanted to be a writer, like write a book, always. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Well, and I'm going to end with a little challenge on on your part with when you're talking about people are very forgiving. I'm not being forgiving. I'm telling you, I think you're a good writer. So I'll just put that out there. Yes. Um, Well, thank you so much for sharing all these wonderful observations and I know it's funny because it's like, you're very clear to, to say, you know, this is my experience and these are the people that I've watched, but you're really becoming an expert by watching carefully yourself and others. You know, I think we, we hold this term expert in, you know, a weird light, but really you pay attention to these things and I think you have a lot to share. So I appreciate you sharing it with my listeners and I'm thankful for your friendship because I can call you and talk to you about these things. Well, Megan, I am. Thank you so much for those words. You, I will tell you after we hang up, maybe how how timely they are and how that felt. Really, like a really specific message being delivered to me right now. So Good. Thank you so much for that. Truly, from the bottom of my heart, I am so grateful. Thank for you. you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to the podcast today with me and Jen Keith. I know. As I do these interviews, it's funny, some of the interviews and conversations are more formal and then others are much more casual. And I feel like this is one of those great casual calls with a friend that I just sort of needed at this point in my life. So I'm thankful that Jen was able to talk and 
just share all of the things she knows from her own experiences and her work with helping support others. So thanks, Jen. And thanks to Game Day Media for producing the podcast. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>